And here we go. The Sprithless Goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moviegoers of all ages, welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zach Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, Absolutely amazing, or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Don't be crazy. Dang. Hi, Colonel Nakir Nakesh. <laughs> it's uh, Nakir Nakesh. Shit. Thank you sorry. very much. <laughs> I apologize to the purists of Iron Eagle out there. <laughs> yes, and that undisclosed Middle Eastern country. Oh man, that was very, uh, that was a heavy movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't, of... <laughs> get, can't get away with that nowadays. <laughs> no. A lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have yous. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hypotheticals, as the, as the kids say these days. <laughs> yes. Uh, hey man, how are you? I, I am you. fabulous. I missed you too. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. It's not every day someone turns 17. True. What? Unless it's 17 again. <laughs> Ooh, Zac Efron. <laughs> Wait, does that make me Zac Efron, or does that make me Matthew Perry? Uh, I'm, I have more the build of Matthew Perry. <laughs> hey, man, Chandler Bong can do a lot. I, I have the, uh, the out-of-shape, out-of-rehab sort of body. <laughs> oh, God. Wait, was it was it skinny Matthew Perry when he was on, like, Coke or whatever? The, when he was doing pain? Coke the uh, pain meds, yeah, there you yeah. go. No, uh, I'm, I'm more the, I haven't worked in... 15 years, Matthew Perry. Aw. Aw. R.I.P. Matthew Perry. I know you're I, still alive, but R.I.P. <laughs> I, I like 17 again. That movie's fun. I do, too. I think Zac Efron is actually a national treasure. So I like his buddy that's like peacocking all the time, trying to get Melora Harden, bringing it back to Iron Eagle. Oh, yeah. Wait, oh, she's in that? Yeah, she's the principal. Oh, yeah. Man, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Um, Who is your favorite friends character who do you relate with the most and opposite sex wise who do you think is the best <laughs> wow okay uh probably chandler bing would mm -hmm. be me and then as far as the other ladies on the show um i'm, I'm always partial to monica yes i am a huge monica fan she's my favorite i she's love such her a spaz <laughs> that I, keeps yeah. it fun yeah. i she is she's very neurotic but I think Courtney Cox is gorgeous, and um, I would be Ross, which would make my whole thing weird if I liked Monica. But uh, because I'm I'm incredibly awkward, and I feel like Ross is just constantly putting his foot in his mouth and just doing something stupid. And uh, <laughs> I yeah. can't stand Ross. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> He's the worst. I He's love. Only, I like that flashback episode when he starts calling his. Um... He's trying to act more mature, so he starts calling his parents by their first names. Oh, and, yeah. And then Monica's like, call mom and dad, you loser. <laughs> and then he goes, Monica! <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my favorite Ross moment of all time. My favorite is 
is uh, I was back. Who cares? Back, we don't watch back, this back show outside of Spain. Oh man, fine. We'll 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 cut all this shit. From all right, no, no, go for it. Go for it. You're backpacking no. in Spain. Yeah, the Spanish guy in your backpack, like, like Tibidabu. And then she's like, I think it's actually pronounced Tibidabu or whatever. And he's like, Do you want to tell the story? <laughs> <laughs> the one when they figure out how Rachel got pregnant. Right. Okay. Anyways, what movie are we doing, sir? Today we are doing District 9. This is uh, part 9 in a series of districts. This is the 8th sequel. <laughs> that, is that incorrect? That is, that is incorrect, sir. Oh. You, are, you are awarded no points. Oh, and they got it mercy on your soul. This is like uh, the Star Wars where it's episode 4 that kicks you off. So District 9 is the beginning, see? Directed by Neil Blomkamp, uh, who we will get into in a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. young man, that Neil Blomkamp. But uh, District 9, yes, this is, this is a very heavy-hitting science fiction motion picture show. Uh, a lot of themes that deal with... Uh, I mean, obviously, it's a, a fictional setting, but uh, very much deals with uh, real-life events that happened um, in South Africa. And so it's an interesting parallel. And it just shows how horrible humans can be. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a, uh, there's, so there's no big name actors in this film um, because Blomkamp uh, cast a bunch of, um, well, basically unknowns. <clears throat> Charlotte Copley, who has gone on to do actually quite a bit, um, plays Vickers Vandermeer. Uh, Jason Cope is in it. Natalie Bolt. Uh, Sylvain Strike, Elizabeth Makandawi, John Sumner, William Allen Young. And I'm just kind of going down the IMDb list, um, so it's in no particular order. Um, but, uh, yeah, like just to say, Neil Blomkamp, it was his um, first film. Um, he wrote it with Terry Tatchell, and um, he had it produced by... Uh, Peter Jackson. So at the start of the film, that's what you see is it just says produced by Peter Jackson, which is odd because films usually don't start out that way. But clearly Peter Jackson has a claim to fame with a tiny indie film called Lord of the Rings. Um, and so that drew in a lot of people. Um, Justin, how did this movie do for the critics? Sure. So uh, according to the Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it is sitting at a whopping ninety percent. Holy shit! Really? Yeah, that's that's impressive for a science fiction motion picture show. By the that's, way, that's really good. I didn't even know that. Yeah, uh, the audience score is eighty-two, so that in itself is actually pretty good as well. What, what do they know, though? Yeah, we don't know jack. Um, but yeah, it actually did very very well. The critics responded to this movie. Um, there's some some fun ones here. Uh, the wonder is that despite its obvious roots. District 9 feels staggeringly original. That's uh, that's true. And you know what? Just real quick. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is... We could say that it is... Um, you know, based on, like, District 6 out of, like, Cape Town in South Africa. And while I don't want to get into it on this particular show, because uh, it is a very heavy topic dealing with... Uh, oh, it's... Yeah, apartheid. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sixty thousand inhabitants forcibly removed. Um, it is. It is a really big deal. It's very sad, and 
it is something that an entire show would need to be dedicated to it to give it justice, mm-hmm. and I don't want to just brush over it. Um, but if you if you have a moment, um, you know, there's a million documentaries on the YouTube's there that you can just kind of educate yourself, um, or you can just go the the Cliff Notes route and just type in District Six, and you'll probably find a Wikipedia page all about it. Um, but having said that, getting back to the Rotten Tomatoes. Um, District 9 has too many gory vaporizations to qualify as a serious statement on race relations, but it does outclank Transformers Revenge of the Fallen by a wide margin. <laughs> so that's its competition, is Transformers. What? <laughs> I like crackers, but I really don't like spaghetti. <laughs> it's like, what, what is that? That's <laughs> not the same. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, you don't feel bamboozled, fooled, or patronized by District 9 as you did by most of the summer blockbusters. Wow. So this just, is... Let's say that this is an intelligent movie as opposed to just a popcorn sort of action spectacular. I ate popcorn when I watched this movie. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No butter, though. I'm trying, yeah. to, look like, I'm trying to look like Zac Efron. That butter comes from big people. <laughs> <laughs> Science. Oh, God. I, I deposit butter at the theater all the time. Oh, God. Uh, I won't tell you to rush out and see it, but these days of sequels and remakes, uh, this was an interesting original. That's Debbie Baldwin. Oh. Yeah. Um, so they were trying to... Blomkamp was trying to make a sequel to this film, District 10, um, and how the film ends, it, it sets up pretty well for a sequel. Um, although he did come out and say that he made this film as a standalone film originally, he was not thinking of a sequel or spinoff. Um, but I think that it, it did so well with fans and they liked it so much that he started kind of tinkering around with the idea actually not super long ago, um, probably about four years ago. Um, but ultimately it, it hasn't really done anything. It's not completely off the books, but... I mean, this movie came out, what, 2009? Uh, so so it's been about 10 years, I think. Um, yes, 2009. So it's been 10 years, and we haven't seen a sequel. I think that's time to kind of just let it die, um, because it was an original idea, and it was a very good original idea. Um, but uh, there haven't been many talks of this film afterwards. Right. Um, Wait, fact, real quick. I'm yeah, sorry, real quick. Um, Michael Compton from Bowling Green Daily News, who said that uh, Copley is never a believable protagonist and his transformation isn't very believable. About... <laughs> he's, he's like Colonel in the can of catch. He says <laughs> believable twice. <laughs> About the only interesting cast members are the CGI aliens. I just want to throw a negative review in there, only because uh, I sort of share the same sentiment about the protagonist. I think if mm-hmm. this movie does have a flaw, it would be the character of uh, Wiccas. Okay. We'll, we'll discuss We'll dive that. into that, yes. Because that's, that's a good point. Um, so, uh, fun fact, this uh, is one of the first documentary-style films to be nominated for Best Picture Oscar. Um, so it was good enough for the Academy to recognize it as Best Picture. It did not win that year, though. Um, I don't remember what one. Uh, the film is banned in Nigeria because the government felt the film portrayed Nigerians as gangsters and cannibals, um, which that's fair enough to say. So I could see why they would why they would want to ban that. Um, 
<clears throat> and like I said, this is a spinoff from a short film that Blomkamp did. It starred Charlotte Copley, uh, and so he reprised his role uh, in this. And Charlotte was improvising a lot of his lines. So for a first go-around, he did pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. So do you have any fun facts to add, Justin? Um, just dollar-wise. I don't think we mentioned that. Oh, yeah, yeah. How did this do? Because, well... So the viral marketing for this film was very – it was cool, but it was very weird. I mean, I think you were telling me about a bus station – or a bus um, – Yeah, a bus stop. Saw, bus <laughs> yeah. stop you saw. It said, like, humans only or something. No, yeah. Like, I was like, the fuck? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I remember seeing, like, posters of it, and it has no humans allowed, and it had an alien on it, and I thought it was a video game. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, but uh, I thought that that was really neat that they had that. Um and it worked. I mean, for the most part, uh, but it was it was a cool marketing campaign. And this is pre pre Twitter, essentially. I mean, like Twitter, I don't think was really around or prevalent. So I this think so. was it two thousand nine, maybe. But it wasn't really doing. It wasn't how it is today. Oh, correct. Yeah. So uh, social media today is a thousand times multiplied over what it was in two thousand and nine. Yeah. So people actually had to get out and go to the bus and <laughs> and see their viral marketing. Yeah. 37 million opening weekend, 115 million domestic, 210 worldwide. Worldwide, so, wide, wide. $210 million for a sci fi movie that is not Star Wars or Transformers or <laughs> whatever else is out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, a brand new original IP getting $210 million with. Some very heavy themes. I think that's I think that's a pretty solid weekend. I'd say that's good. What was the? Uh, I don't suppose you know what the budget was on this movie, do you? Um, Thirty million. Thirty million. Yeah, exactly. Thirty million, exactly. It's a hit. Yeah, surprisingly. Um, all right. So in 1982, a massive starship bearing a bedraggled alien population, nicknamed the Prawns, appeared over Johannesburg, South Africa. 28 years later, the initial welcome by the human population has faded. The refugee camp where the aliens were located has deteriorated into a military, militarized, militarized <laughs> ghetto called District 9, where they are confined and exploited in squalor. In 2010, the Munitions Corporation, Multinational United, is contracted to forcibly evict the population with operative Vickis Vandermeer in charge. In this operation, Vickis is exposed to a strange alien chemical and must rely on the help of his only two new prawn friends. Will Vickis complete his task and get back to his wife, or will he fail? I added that last part in there. He'll probably fail. It wasn't, it wasn't very good. Knowing Thank his you. track record, he'll probably fail. Thank you, IMDB, for that. I will. Kenneth Chis, Chisholm wrote that. Gotta so is it Vickis or Wickis? It's Vickis. So it's just like, it's, it's W. It's W-I-K-U-S. But That's two Vs. But So it's, it's a Dutch name, but um, I think like in certain areas, and don't quote me on this, but uh, some of the South African accents, they say the... Um, like the V, because they say Ven- Vender Mervin. <laughs> but like in Spanish, sometimes you say a V for certain things. Double um, V? Sort of. But <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, it's, it's Vikis. Vikis. Donde va? Vikis. Sure. Uh, <laughs> how did you. So, what are your initial thoughts on this movie? Oh, man. I loved it. 
when it was over, I was like, holy smokes, dude, that is a crazy movie. And as I'm watching it, and it's it's pretty gory, you know, there's the parts when he's sort of transforming, uh, you know, he gets the goo on him and he starts turning into an alien, he being Vicus. Um, that was just gross. And then when there are some, you know, moments where he kind of wants to turn your head, uh, especially when he's being experimented on. Um, I just had a lot going on in my mind as I was watching this movie. And there are parts that are enjoyable, other parts that are just gross, and some things that are just really, really sad. But uh, when it was over, I just remember thinking, holy smokes, that movie was pretty badass. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw this in theaters in 2009 when it came out. I saw it twice because I liked it that much. Um, but I'll admit it's been like probably 10 years since I've seen it last. Um, on this viewing, it didn't do as much for me as it did the first go around. Um, I really liked it, but I wasn't in love with it like I, I, I first was. Um, along the lines of what you're saying too, though, the, the body horror stuff, I, I, oh God, that stuff was, was brutal. I, I hate when he pulled his fingernails out. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> That was disgusting. Just seeing all the, like when he's even cutting, when the doctor's cutting the cast off his arm and he, uh, he sees all the blood and then the the now uh, alien arm. Um, that was that was disgusting. Uh, like even down to the point when he's eating that fish sandwich thing and his nose starts bleeding like black blood. Dude, yeah. I could I couldn't eat like fast food for a day. <laughs> a whole day. <laughs> it just was it was gross. But um, yeah, I I think that this movie. I think that it's it's a, a better film to be talked about than trying to jump in and just watch it the first go around right now. Just my opinion, um, because of some of the it's got some plot holes and and the hero's arc is is kind of off on it. It seems kind of forced, um, but uh, from a from an original sci-fi standpoint, I really enjoyed this story. Um, it felt like a it felt like a real film or like a real documentary, like it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And so you, we did what we did in the, sh- what we do in the shadows last week. And that was a mockumentary. Um, and that was cool because that brought you into a completely different world, but you could tell it was obviously a farce. Um, when you can present something as it, as it appears real and, and they use kind of like that found footage aspect, um, it's nice because it can really bring you into that narrative world. So when they started like right off the bat, how they're, you know, the shaky cam, the found footage and stuff. Um, and they use the interviews with real experts. Um, it seems like, yes, this was a real thing. Kind of like what interstellar was doing at the beginning with, uh, the whole dust bowl interviews. Um, but, (laughs) but yeah, it's, uh, I thought that that grabbed my attention immediately. And, um, and that got me hooked. So I, I do applaud them on that. So I like how the ship is always in the background. I think that is so cool. Yeah, it's 1982. Back in 82. That's why I started laughing. I was like, oh yeah, this is in 82. When the, when the ship arrives. Got to throw a football over just, that ship. And it, exactly. And it's just floating there. And I love that. I love seeing it in the background all the time. I think that is so cool. It really is. It's massive, too. And it's an area, so like, you know, I don't know much about uh, Johannesburg in South Africa. Like, it was cool to be in a new setting. It wasn't like in, 
you know, whatever, L.A. or New York or something like that. It was neat that it was in this this area that I had never been to. And well, I thought and, that was kind of cool. And they even say that, too. They're like, you know, it didn't go over Chicago or New York or whatever. We, they were wondering why it was Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was interesting. Sure. And then just like the slums um, and how that sort of just takes over itself. And, you know, people are just rummaging through garbage. And there's there's violence. There's you know, gangs. There's drugs. There's all kinds of crazy things happening in this little fenced off area. And that just... That's so uh, just creepy to me. I love it. Yeah. Um, no, it definitely was. It definitely took that realism into it. Um, and yeah, I uh, I liked that it built that world and it developed the story in the intro. So, you know, you give us the five minute little intro of what kind of what's going on and we get caught up and then boom, that's it. And we just have to accept it. Um, and I appreciate that because then it's not handholding throughout the movie and it's not trying to give us this exposition um, like as we go. It's not trying to have one character monologue and tell us all these things. We're just right. kind of figuring it out as we go. And and we still don't know why the aliens are there. Exactly. You know, we don't know why they arrived all sick and malnourished and... You know, we don't know what's going on with their home planet or anything like that. We don't. We have zero understanding of their way of life other than they are insect-type folk. Yep. And we don't know how, because they, they speak the language, um, or they speak their own language, and uh, we don't know how some people can... Um, comprehend them i'm sure they just i'm sure they just studied but it's a completely different language and like they how would they know a ball is a ball or something like that um so some things you just have to accept which is which is cool and that's why things like john wick like that's why i I love the john wick uh series because you just have to accept that that world that it is sure um yeah um so one of the things that I wanted to talk about is this film, it's interesting. So it starts out, I guess we could just dive right into what you were saying. Um, this, the weakest point of this movie is the character arc. Uh, do you kind of want to elaborate a little bit more on, on that? Sure. So at the beginning, um, Vickis is, you know, he's part of the multinational United organization, the the, the giant weapons manufacturer that has been tasked with moving uh, over a million aliens to this new camp. And it, because of this whole documentary style, you know, we see these interviews, we get to we get a, a snapshot of his personality. And he's a bit of an idiot. Like, it, it only takes about <laughs> 10 seconds. Idiot. Yeah, it takes about 10 seconds to realize that this person is not the right man for this job. And whether that's sort of a a social commentary on the people that are in charge of these companies and how they get there. In this case, it's nepotism. He just happens to be married to, you know, the bigwig's daughter. Um, you know, this person is completely out of their element. And he has no tact whatsoever when it comes to dealing with this alien race and how to move them. Uh, he has no strategy, no real plan. And just watching him going from, you know, shanty to shanty, you just see in in seconds how terrible he is at his job. I mean, does that make him a bad person? Certainly not. But he's definitely um, 
an idiot and you know he has his flaws and he has no way of dealing with people or an alien race in a you know, professional manner mm-hmm. yeah and i i agree i mean like in vicus's mind he's do- he thinks he's doing the right thing it's because that's what he was taught and he's kind of a bozo he he doesn't know anything any any else right yeah he's just Um, an idiot with a clipboard at the end of the day (laughs) uh, yeah essentially so he does kind of start out that way he also starts out very i would say hateful of 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 the prawns i mean even using the term prawn is derogatory um but he's hateful of them uh and he doesn't really have a reason why other than that's the status quo Um, I mean, you get him in there and when he's doing the evictions in the, in the opening scenes and stuff, um, he's, he's killing babies. Like he finds the the nest house and he's excited about unplugging them and killing them and burning them. And like, even though these are, these are aliens and and we as viewers are watching this, that was awful. Like he's, he's taking pleasure in, Oh, look, look at the find I just have. Is that that far off though, from things that we have seen on the news? where people will be so happy to, I I don't necessarily want to say killing babies, but I'm just saying uh, to egregious things that people are happy with because that's how they were brought up. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we, we see often. Um, And so I kind of think that it's, it speaks truths to things that we see like in the U S. Sure. I mean, and that entire convoy that's moving, yeah, so ultimately what they're doing is they're issuing a an eviction notice to the alien race to get them to move. And so all of these workers are 100% prejudiced against them. They don't want them on Earth. Why are they here? We don't want them. We don't need them. Tell them to go. And they're interviewing citizens of um, you know, Johannesburg, and they're all like, dude, I just wanted to get the hell out of here. Like, I'm not not into this. <laughs> Leave yeah. our planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um you know, they're obviously scared. I mean, what? no one knows how they would act if an alien race were to just show up here. But, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, it's basically how we look at other cultures, other countries, other people, other races. And, you know, you can just see it right here in two seconds how the, the, this driving force that is in charge of removing these people, you know, they're glad to do it. They hate them. They're yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> and people always fear what they don't understand. Absolutely. Um, and so, like, obviously, this is directly a, a nod to apartheid, um, where this is racially or specially based. Um, they discriminate based off of that species because they don't know them and they don't understand them. And so they're just like, they just need to go. Um, we're going to put them in concentration camps, which is so incredibly inhumane. Um, but that's why I think that it's, it's intriguing that Blomkamp decided to use that because he could have made this movie about different races and it wouldn't have had the same appeal, but him making it aliens is interesting because it, it, it really can, it brings up this kind of moral question in our minds. Um, like, does that mean because they are aliens that they should be treated less? Um, are like as a viewer, are we supposed to feel okay with them killing an alien and being like, well, it, it's sad, but that's also something that's not human. Like, is that is is that what some of the viewers are supposed to to feel? Maybe. I don't know. Are you asking me? 
I don't know. I, 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 I'm throwing I'm throwing you a curveball here. So I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. So as I, yeah. as I'm watching it, I I didn't like what I was seeing. I, I felt disgusted and uncomfortable. So because like in in video games, we can mow down hordes of aliens, right? And and feel nothing. But I feel something. But <laughs> I think that the 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 cool thing that Blomkamp did was um, anthropomorphize these characters and give them human-esque traits so uh christopher johnson right so the main the other protagonist um alien he as a child for one that's has a child um doesn't does not speak english they just speak in their language uh but based off of his his body language his nonverbal communication um even his name christopher johnson uh giving that human quality to him and then making him wear like human clothes and stuff brings it more to a level that we can all kind of see and, and feel for him more. Um, and obviously he's, he's a smarter one out of the bunch and they say that they're like, Oh, this one, he's smart. He can, he can read and whatever. Um, I think that that plays into it and we, we find ourselves rooting for him to succeed. Um, man, when he was getting beat by, the bad guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I can't remember his name. Um, it, when he was in the, he was in his shack, and Vickis and uh, Christopher Johnson's son were down in the ship, and like the the bad guy was beating up Johnson. I was like, I wanted to stop so bad because I felt so awful for him because he's just he never retaliated, he didn't beat anybody up, and like I think that Blomkamp delivered on that aspect because I I felt that human quality and that human trait in Christopher Johnson. It's interesting. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think you got the name Christopher Johnson when they were sort of just doing a census of the alien population. Yeah, the, I mean, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's it's got it's a form a... and they write his name on it. <laughs> they're yeah. like, what's your name? And he makes a couple click sounds and they're like, all right, Christopher Johnson it is. <laughs> then well, they no. stamp it on a form. Well, it's definitely along the lines of like how slave slave trade was like, right? So your your native name, Kutakinte, right? And then they say, no, your name's Toby. Like they they gave him that name, just like the government gave them everything else. Um, Nothing was was his own, but that's why he was trying to to get out of there and he needed to bring help for his people. Um, So he was kind of like the president of the the (laughs) Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) Uh, David James is the actor that played uh, that bad guy, uh, Kubis Venter. Ah, Stone Cold. He's, he's Stone your Stone Cold. Cold. James. Yeah. <laughs> he um he was kind of weak for me too. Um, he, he was pretty typical bad guy. Um, always angry and always over the top for some reason. And I just he was such a throwaway villain. I I liked him when I first saw it, but I I thought it was. It was kind of pointless. Like, why did he have so much hatred? Why was he so angry at everything all of a sudden? They didn't really give much to it. Um, so I think that that, that was kind of a, a, a bummer letdown. Um, yeah. I mean, there's always sort of that that mercenary type that just loves killing people. Yeah. He, you know, he just was... That, an immediately unlikable, hateful, you know, antagonist. He was Grimbopulous Michael. Yeah. Um, so, uh, also the, the thing that I think the reason, one of the biggest reasons why this one was hard for me, other than the uh, character arc, um, was the transition from mockumentary to real film. So we use the shaky cam 
for the mockumentary style stuff when they're in the field and doing stuff. And they kind of start the film out, you know, as a past tense sort of thing. Like they showed uh, his buddy who was in jail. Um, they talk about, you know, Vickis was a good boy and I lost him that day and stuff. So you're immediately like, what's going on here? But then when they transitioned to, to times when cameras definitely couldn't have been in there, like the, um, like when him and Christopher Johnson are in his shack or other stuff and it jumps into real film just from that narrative standpoint, they still use the shaky cam and that, that threw me off because it was hard to see the transitions from mockumentary to real film. And it, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't super happy with that. It actually got quite a bit annoying. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? Yeah. I know that um, they tried to throw in some security cam shots yeah. to kind of help transition between the two. Yeah. Um, which can be helpful, I suppose. But um, I'm not a fan of any shaky cam, anything. But I, I get the whole found footage and, hey, we're on the run and there's bombs going off and bullets flying, so it's got to be shaky. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> I'm like, let them be shaky. I don't want to be shaky. Yeah, and and it wasn't it wasn't horribly shaky. It wasn't like Blair Witch or anything. But um, sometimes some of the footage, it just I was like, if you're gonna do something, man, just do it 100. percent Don't kind of half-ass it. And right. some sometimes that's what it felt like. Um, I don't necessarily know how I would make it different, but that's also why I'm not a director. Um, right, because it's hard. You wouldn't be able to get their side of the story if it's only told from the perspective of the people being interviewed that weren't there. Yeah, and and otherwise, if they didn't have that, we inversely might be having a different discussion about this movie, and it might not have gotten ninety <laughs> percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. <laughs> so so I, I I get that it did it did kind of bother me though. I think just on this third viewing after so much time had passed. Um, but yeah. Um, for, and, and for Copley, for this to be his first film, um, he did a really good job. Uh, that initial shock that he kind of gave when he saw his alien arm, he I, I think he improvised that and he did incredible with it. Like it was I wasn't expecting that when he cut off the thing because, you know, like the the oil stuff sprayed in his face. And I'm like, OK, something's going to happen. I wasn't expecting him to transition into an alien, though. Um, and so having that reveal of the doctor cutting off the cast and then you see he's got an alien arm was like, holy crap. Like I was, I was, I was shocked. That was, that was, that was great. <laughs> I don't understand how the, cause ultimately it's like a synthesized fuel that, that Christopher was working on. And, um, I don't understand how the fuel just turns him into one of those people, but whatever. Right. And, and, that's and that's kind of weird, but <laughs> right. Well, and, and, I think that's again that's something that we our our small brains can't comprehend. Right. And Blomkamp was just like, "Look, this is this, and just accept it." Right. So I, I'm going to accept that. Um, but you're right. I was kind of like, "Wait, he just so he snorted some some oil, and he's now an alien." Like, <laughs> why doesn't Prince Nigeria guy, the angry man, uh, who wants to like eat all their flesh, yeah, wasn't he start just, drinking garbage? <laughs> start, start drinking oil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a part in the movie when, uh, he goes to the hospital and, you know, they, they know right away what's going on. So they, they take him over to the labs, the, the MNU lab, and 
there is no remorse. All of these doctors and scientists, they are literally just shoving one gun into his hand after another and making him shoot, um, you know, fruit and then, you know, objects and then ultimately uh, other aliens. And just to see the effects of the guns. And it is horrifying. Like straight up Nazi scientist horrifying. And it is hard for me to to really get uncomfortable watching movies. I usually just like, yeah, whatever. It's it's art, it's science fiction, whatever. But I was just sort of, I don't know what the word is, but cringing in my seat. I hated every second of that scene. It was really, 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 really hard for me to watch. I I agree with you. It was, and I, I think that that was a very powerful scene because Vickis, you see him go from this blumbering idiot who... It will will kill a whole family, family, a nest egg or um, a nest at, at will. And he turns into this. No, 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 please. Like, I'll, I'll shoot a cow. I'll shoot a cow. I'll do it. I'll, I swear to God, I'll do it. And they're essentially torturing him to do these things for their greater good or what they claim to be. Their the greater, greater good. good. And it's, it's, it's horrifying. But you see him transition right then and there, like his thought process on everything. Um, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's interesting. Do you think that I mean we see this kind of stuff happen all the time? Not you know shooting other aliens and whatever, but um, where people will have certain agendas and they feel that they are doing what is right or what they have always selfishly been taught or, or, or what they think essentially. Um, and I think it's based off of their upbringing or or like I said earlier, their ignorance. Um, we see that all throughout the world and all throughout the U.S. and stuff um, with religion is, is one of the hot ones, right? Where, without getting too political on this, Alabama just passed that, that bullshit abortion law. Um, a lot of those people think that they are doing the right thing because of their upbringing and what they were taught. Are they right? Absolutely not. But that in their mind, that is what they think because of their ignorance, because uh, their entire life someone told them that this is okay. Um, that's kind of like these scientists on a, on, a, on a certain level. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I don't want to get super political, but at the same time, this, this movie deals with a lot of... Um, it has a lot of social commentary, and it deals with genocide. Um, so it, it's going to get heavy no matter what. Right. And, and, and that's true. And I just, I just blows me away that someone on an academic level, a, you know, this, these scientific minds have no problem whatsoever just destroying life right in front of their face. I think that is just crazy to me. See, and that's, and that's why, like I said, for the greater good, that's where that is their agenda. They think that that is for the greater good. If they can harness that, uh, but they're alien... a wep- they're a weapons company. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If they can harness that alien weaponry, they're gonna find a way to spin it. Oh well, we need it to protect ourselves from the aliens or protect yeah. ourselves from somewhere else. I mean, it's it's a classic. My rocket's bigger than your rocket, sort of thing. Or my dad can beat you up, beat up your dad. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's a completely negative thinking and it's fear mongering essentially. But uh, yeah, it's justifying something like that by saying oh this is for science or or whatever you would think that 
they would be smarter than that. But it was are always the bad guys in science fiction movies. Always the bad guys. They're the worst. Sort uh, of that asshole Berg from Aliens. Yeah. And there's a lot of or xenophobia. Burke. Well, there's a lot of xenophobia in this, too. I mean, clearly we see that with it. Um, the scientists and stuff. Everybody not accepting of of this group of, of individuals. I almost called them people. But this group of aliens. Um, you might as well call them people, though. Just with how they interact and how sure. you treat them and stuff. But they want to put them in an internment camp. And they're claiming that it is going to be nice. It has tents and everything. Um yeah. God. Yeah, it's nice. It has tents. Yeah. And everything. <laughs> really bad. Work. <laughs> some of the CGI did not hold up for me. Um some was real, real cheesy. Uh like the, the big mech suit kind of got weird at points. It looked very, very fake. Um, but other times the CGI was great. Uh the aliens looked awesome. Um Yes, I think the aliens looked amazing. I love the way they yep. moved. Um, you know, they're very because you know when you see a if you're ever out in a boat in the woods or there's like maybe there's like a spider in your house and you go to to either rescue it or kill it depending on your personality type. I, me personally, I like to put them in a little jar and then throw them outside. But every time they move, I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> like, what's it gonna do? <laughs> like it's 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 it's, mo- it's movement is so unpredictable because I know zero about any of these insect species, <laughs> and I felt like it was that way eh, watching this movie too. Mm-hmm. How they they kind of run to a certain area, then stop, and then they kind of do like this little ducky dive thing, dip dodge dive, dip dodge and dive. <laughs> they do the five Ds, and uh, it's it's scary. I don't know. I, I dug it. I was like, holy shit, dude, these guys are crazy. Do you know that, what I thought was interesting? Um, so the the aliens, the prawns, they were addicted to cat food. Yeah. It's they, like, it's like they, catnip. It's cat. like catnip. They did not have cat food on their home planet, I'm assuming. Um, but it's it's something we introduced to them, a foreign substance we introduced to them, and got them addicted, and they became almost dependent on it, right. which mirrors uh, the treatment of Native Americans. We stripped away their land, we claimed it as our own, and we put them in their own essential internment camps, uh, reservations, uh, where they had you know, poor health, poor resources, um, and we introduced alcohol. So there's a big reason alcoholism is, is prevalent in, um, in reservations and amongst the Native American population. And it's because we did that to them. Um, and it's, it's horrible. Uh, that, I think that that was a direct reference to that to the U.S. treatment of, of Native Americans, but also of treatment of other uh, groups of people. I think that is a very valid point, yes. Yeah. Reser- it, uh, that's what we do. We, we are a ruiner of things and introducing a, uh addictive substance sounds about right. Ruining something that did not need to be ruined. Yeah. <laughs> because we have agendas and because we think we are right. Yes. I so. tend to be right most of the time. I don't know. But I argue over shit that doesn't matter. <laughs> so uh, the film throughout the entire thing is, is pretty good. So I really enjoyed, you know, like like I said, the intro, the the build up, his 
whole origin story, like Vickis's origin story on how he becomes Vickis 2.0 um, in his transition to Alien. I, I did think it was odd how he jumps right into, I'm going to help Christopher Johnson because he's going to fix my arm. Cool, he's going to fix it. And they're just off and running. Like, they're buddies. Um, right, and, from when he just escaped the lab and then he goes to the slums. Yeah finds he, him and says hey you got to help me i mean yeah. he's de- he's desperate so people do weird shit when they're desperate right yes. i think that's kind of where they're going with that and then when he as soon as he has that that gleam of hope that he can be fixed then he will do whatever it takes he's he's so naive that he is just convinced himself that all he has to do is get the super devil juice back to christopher and then everything will be fine yeah. he doesn't take into account that you know they still got to go up into the ship and who knows how long the procedure would even take to fix him. He just thinks he'll instantly be saved. Two weeks. Two yeah, weeks. exactly. <laughs> I mean, in what world are you ever just sort of zapped and then everything is perfect again? I think that's that's pretty silly of him. But to he, think that. he was he instantly al- going to be fixed. He also doesn't know the alien technology, though. That's, I, I mean, that's true. But I mean, you, at the end of the day, it seems kind of weird to think that that everything is going to be just fine if I can get this juice. Hey, man, sometimes the juice is loose. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the juice murders a waiter and an ex-wife. Whoa, too soon, man, too soon. Is it, though? <laughs> 1992. <laughs> <As you> say, <laughs> 94, um, was it? Oh, yeah, June, June 94. I had just graduated from eighth grade when he was on the run. <laughs> True story, I was sitting at home. I just finished eighth grade, waiting to go to my sister's high school graduation, and OJ's on the news. And the juice was loose. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I was in 1994 on a hot summer day. Um, So he he finally acquiesces, and he's like, I'm going to be homies with Chris Johnson to to get this done. and so you kind of think that Vickis's arc is is going through that typical hero's arc, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but his reluctance and his selfishness continues to draw out through it. So, you know, there's the scene when they're in the laboratory and they're getting shot up by Stone Cold Steve Austin and his cronies. Um, and Vickis starts shooting him with his gun. But Christopher Johnson sees... And that, that part was so good because... Christopher sees all the other aliens cut open and, and being experimented on and it breaks his heart and he can't, he, he can't move. He's just so like distraught. Um, he doesn't say a word and you still understand what, what he's going through. Like seeing his people massacred like that as science experiments for no reason at all is, is heartbreaking. And he's, he's in such shock and turmoil that he can't even move regardless of these bullets flying by his head. And Vickis is like, get over here. I, you know, you, you, you gotta get down here. He wants to save him at that point. Like it's, Hey man, we're in this together sort of thing. So you think that Vickis made that turn, but then we move forward like yeah, five minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe five. Yeah. And, and he, he becomes so selfish and he's so upset that it's going to take three years to get his his body changed back to sexy Vickis body that he he hit he betrays Christopher and tries to take the jumbo ship up into the air by himself. It th- that didn't work for me. 
Like, what was the whole point of him saving his life and doing this just to be pissed off that he has to wait three years and and go ahead and knock him out and take it? I I know that that's been done in films not to that extent, but that just kind of didn't work for me. Yeah, it's pretty hard to watch. You're like, are you serious, guy? I've been watching, putting up with your shit for an hour and a half, and now you're going to hit him in the face of the board <laughs> and ruin everything? Well, yeah, no, it, honestly, it, that's that's one of the interesting things about this movie is that it's so good, even though the protagonist is the worst. He is one of the most unlikable protagonists in the history of cinema, and the movie still works. Well, and then even after he gets, so he goes and he gets weapons, or he gets um captured by Stone Cold and the and his other mercenaries and then they get attacked by the Nigerians and the Nigerians bring him to um the little know, camp the little camp and they, they want to kill him uh but he's able to get into the the mech suit and like escape even at that point when all the marines or all the mercenaries see him and they have Christopher Johnson captive Vickis runs away I was not expecting that and I was so pissed <laughs> I was so pissed when I saw that because yeah, that's that, terrible. There's only maybe 15 minutes left of the movie and you have your main quote unquote <laughs> hero running away like that. Like, All right, guys. See ya. Yeah. Like he hasn't learned anything. No. And I thought that that was such a poor decision to make. Yes. It might've been typecast or, 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 um, stereotypical to have him fight back, but who gives a shit? You, you're already in that hero's arc. You have to complete it. It's, I don't want you to subvert something like that in such a negative way. Like maybe he turns around and you're like, oh, he's running away. But really, he's actually plotting out something. And then, boom, someone yeah. gets electric. He's going to get a giant dump truck to go throw a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's going to give him a Stone Cold Stunner and drink a bunch of beer. Yeah. Uh, but God, I keep forgetting that guy. Venter. Stone Cold Venter. Stone Cold Venter. Cuba? I thought his name was Cuba or something well, like that. It's, it is, but his last name is Venter. Oh, okay. Um, He's got a first and a last name. Ooh, I have one of those. <laughs> it's it's 82 is my last name. Zachdale82. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I think that, that those were some of the most egregious things that, that threw me off from this um, and, and, and really kind of made me not appreciate it as much as I remember from the first go around. Um, but ultimately I really did love this movie. And I, I think that the, um, the uniqueness of the story was, was incredible. And that's what science fiction should be is you can take chances and you can get messy and make mistakes, Mrs. Frizzle. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm glad that they took a chance on something like this. Uh, you know, good science, Fiction is always a, a social commentary, you know, where we're at as people, where we're headed, and where we've been, even. And uh, this is very hard to watch at times. I, I love I love when a movie can make me feel uncomfortable. It makes me stop and think about what's going on, and it's not... I mean, sure, I'll take Jason Statham punching sharks all day long. Like I, I, can, I can go into a movie and watch The Meg and, and think it's the greatest movie ever made because I love Statham and I love sharks and put them together and it's amazing. But then you have a movie like district nine that, that is just on a whole nother level of crazy. And it really shows the horrors that, that humans are capable of. And it can be a wake up call and it can tell you like, don't be like these people, you know, be better. And absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I love that. 
I mean, Apartheid went on for so long, too, and that's why, I mean, this is the first real film that I've seen depict Apartheid in 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 a unique way like this. I mean, I've seen, like, The Power of One and read the book back in high school, I think. Um, very intense book um, and film, but uh, just a horrible mark on human history. And, um, you know, Blomkamp knew he had to put it out there too like you're saying as the social commentary um and he did it in a very unique way um so i applaud the hell out of him now blomkamp himself <laughs> this <laughs> such, such an amazing filmmaker right <laughs> uh, this is this is a classic uh, m night Shyamalan uh instance very flash in the pan because this is the man who was supposed to deliver us one of my favorite IPs of all time, and he was supposed to deliver us a Halo film. I was so goddamn excited after seeing District 9 and realizing that he was in charge of one of my favorite characters of all time in Master Chief. And after seeing Elysium and Chappie, and what else did he do? He did, like, another one, too, that we didn't really like. Uh, the rest, I think, are all just, like, shorts. Okay. So Elysium and Chappie, I was so let down. Um, I understand what he was trying to do with those movies, but it just did not deliver at all. Mm -hmm. um, and I will never see those movies again. Not even for this crazy podcast. <laughs> um, uh, I do... I can appreciate the aesthetic that he has. Like, you know, he has the same palette on, like, all of his movies. And I kind of like that. It almost makes it feel like it's all one universe. Yes. Um, uh, yes. So I'm a fan of that. Well, and I, I, I think it's, it's neat when directors do that. Like, Fincher is one of my favorite directors of all time. And he has that very dark and morose uh, style of um, template where it's a lot of blues, grays, blacks, and stuff. Um, do you know, kind of know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, so like the social network uses it, Gone Girl uses it, Girl with the Dragon Net Tattoo, Fight Club, uh, Seven, all that uses that kind of darker uh, template. He's very, very good at that. So um, it's I, I think it's a good trademark of of his, um, and so I applaud him on that. I, I I hope you know I hope the guy can do something good uh, soon because <laughs> he. he 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 does have a lot of talent, and I and I really appreciate his vision, but it's he needs to not get. Matt Damon in his his next movie, like I just you don't like I, Matt Damon. I like Matt Damon, but I wasn't a huge fan of his role in Elysium. It just seemed so weird and out of place. And is that it? Is that the show? I mean, were there any other moments or any other things that you could think of? It's it's hard with this one because I w I honestly went into it trying to look for more substance that we could we could argue about. That and I was really trying to find ways that I didn't like the movie, um, just to try to add a little flair to this discussion. But I mean, I'll admit it—it it was hard to not like this movie. It's just, it is that good. Okay. Um, I truly well, ap appreciate it, and I'm—I'm I'm a huge sci-fi fan, so I truly appreciated an original concept like that. Um, I mean, I brought up the the character arc was was weak. Vickis was not—he he was such a boring main protagonist um and then a couple other things but other so, than that yeah i do like uh that the we'll skip to the end here where uh christopher and his little boy get away they make it to the mothership and um we are left with uh vicus who 
it was revealed earlier that he likes to make things. He likes to craft things for his wife. And uh, he makes her a little metal flower and then it you know, leaves it on her front door and then it shows him in the in the slums making another little flower. And that's sort of it's great that he is still clinging on to her. You know, it's his hope. That's what's going to make him survive these next three years is knowing that Christopher is going to come back and he will make him better. And that that's a very positive way to end the movie. I agree. And I think that Blomkamp did a good job with that. And I mean, Vickis is full, full prawn at that point. Yeah. You never go full prawn. You never go full prawn. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, uh, he's full prawn in that. And, um, you, I mean, you see the emotion behind that and he's not talking and stuff, but you can just kind of tell he has similar eyes, but you can tell that it's him cause he's making it. And, he seems like, yeah, you're right. Like he still loves his wife, and that's that's his motivation. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think I think it was a great way to end it. It, it. It's almost a hopeful way to end it too. You know, like Chris Johnson is going back to his home planet. We don't know if they're going to come down and rain hell on on the world, or if they're just going to come and be like, "Yo, you guys are jerks," and take everybody and just leave. Um, so yeah, let's but, talk about that for a second. You know, they're obviously sure. a very advanced. Uh, alien race. They have a ship that can go to with interstellar travel. They have these amazing weapons that can just turn people into goo. Um, yet they are forced into the slum. They don't retaliate against humans in a way to where they want to take over the world. They isn't it kind of interesting how they found themselves grouped together in this collective in the slummy area when they had all this technology to maybe even, you know, murder humans and rule the world. So, but, but those are, those were the workers. Um, I mean, they, they lacked the leadership and they even said that they did not have any, any generals or any people in charge of them to tell them what to do. Um, and so they, just followed and they just listened and, and kind of figured things out for themselves. Um, so, think, so does that mean that we're led to believe that they were escaping their home world? Like so, why, why were they even traveling this far? Why were they without food? It's like, it's like they were literally trying, they were immigrants, right? They are refugees perhaps that were trying to leave their world. Yeah. I mean, that could be it. Uh, we do see on the ship when they walk in, there's a bunch of uh, dead bodies that alien bodies. Um, so maybe they, they mutinied against the uh, captain or maybe they were on a uh, reconnaissance mission to try to find another habitable planet to take us over or who knows. But I think that adds to the mystique of this film. And I think that that's really cool because we can have conversations like this about it. Um, prototypically, we'd be like, oh, they're going to come and just destroy our planet. But maybe they were looking to be like, hey, like we saw you guys from a distance and we wanted to come say hi and we wanted to be friends and we wanted to share our cool goo guns with you. Yeah, here's and... the universal donut sign. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's, that's just the way I look at it is, yes, they could easily overpower us, but I don't think that they know that or want to do that because they're just they're the workers they're not the ones pulling the strings they're the the grunts on the ground level mm -hmm. they just um, want a cool buzz and tasty waves yep that 
All, all of that. <laughs> have not seen uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Oh, man. I've seen it once, and I, it was okay. I'm not... Eh, I don't know. All I need are some tasty waves and a cool buzz, and I'm fine. Yeah, I guess that's funny. I mean, it's 1982 funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll laugh more at 1982 than I will at that movie. Um... Which I'm pretty sure it came out in 1982. I know, that's why I said I was laughing. You know? oh, it's so red. That uh, number, you can't get away from that number. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, you man. District I, 9 in 1982, you got, the, you got the Napoleon, and now you got the Fast Times. That's uh, that's all I have to say about about D nine, the Mighty Ducks nine. It's your favorite movie of all time, and you hope that District Ten comes out one day. I, I actually really do hope District Ten comes out, but I don't know if I need if I want it to be the way I want it to be. I want it to be something. Do you that want was... the humans in the camps and the aliens are running the humans? I sometimes like when that happens though, because that's that's pretty neat when it it kind of just changes around completely. Sure. Uh, but then does it, it, it vilifies the aliens and the humans are the good guys, where in this movie, clearly the humans are the bad guys. But you might be able to give, a, to give the humans a chance, or I'm sorry, the aliens a chance to show mercy and to, to be better than the humans, because they're not them. So if it were, were reverse and they had a human in the, in the seat and an alien was a scientist and trying to shock the human to pull the trigger... Uh, they wouldn't do that. They would. They wouldn't have him in the seat. They would just study him or something like that because they're not barbaric like we are. I don't know, man. Have you seen Fire in the Sky? No. Oh my God! You get a you get a needle in your eye. Oh. Being abducted. No thanks. <laughs> I don't, really, it's like, they can be mean. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want anything in my eyes. Have you ever seen the movie Space Invaders? No. Oh man. That's a good one. These aliens come to a town called Big Bean. <laughs> Big Bean? <laughs> yeah. Huh. It's incredible. It'll change your life. Uh, <laughs> will it, though? I think will so. <laughs> I think so. Anyone that's seen Spaced Invaders loves it. It has like a whopping five, probably, on IMDb. Hold on. <laughs> Spaced Invaders. Oh, it's so good. 5.3. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, that's good. Trust me. Check it out. I won't. Man, you never do anything. I do everything. Um, is it my turn to pick next? I think so. I think we always ask that. <laughs> it is my turn to pick next. So, uh, you and I had the discussion of uh, Snowpiercer. Oh, um, and I have never seen Snowpiercer. I saw the first maybe 15 minutes, and for some reason I turned it off, and that was years ago. I would be down to do that. That works for me. Good, man. Um, do you have anything else? I have nothing. No announcements? I, I, I was hoping that you would pick Spaced Invaders. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to do Spaced Invaders. Sorry. <laughs> Fucking sucks. You can use that for yours. <laughs> it's good. Uh, it's not good. It's like <laughs> District 1. No. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks.
thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60. You can share your thoughts with us, and we'll discuss them on our show. And hell, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. We are not doing Space Invaders, though. <laughs> Just please always remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Damn it, you don't... You didn't... <laughs> I was, I was waiting. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> I like it when you do the outro. Thank you so much. <laughs> I like the thank you so much, though. It's so good. Oh. Thank you so much. I like it when you get mad that I don't. <laughs> I was literally at my mouth right to the mic, and I was just waiting for you. <laughs> it's just funny. Dude, the photo, it's funny, the photo I posted of you where you're waving, you're like, I told you to delete that. It's funny. <laughs> as soon as I saw it the next day, I started I started just cackling because I could picture you going, hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> <laughs>